0: Welcome to my podcast. I am your host, Michelle, and this is The Black Eye. Listen, I hope you are outside without a mask, enjoying the sunlight, getting a walk in. It's good for your health, good for your mind, and good to get away from all the fray that is this pandemic. We want to be in good health. We want to maintain good health, and this is a Perfect way to do it. Just be outside and enjoy God's creation. Today's subject is about workers. There have been two worker strikes going on in this country one sent to April and one about six days ago. And both are fighting for um, the right. Work and the right to to maintain their jobs. And as you know, coal mining is about to be shut down by the left because you know it's a dirty whatever. It's uh what is it the greenhouse gases and all that stuff. And so, coal mining and these people who have this is their job. This is their life. They're facing. Some obstacles, serious obstacles. And Nabisco, the people striking there are also facing some obstacles. Uh, the It's not RJR anymore, it's Mandela's. The Mandela's company is seeking to eliminate a tried and true pay structure which would allow people to. To earn overtime. To earn overtime. They don't want to pay overtime anymore. And this ties into a bigger issue that I have always had, and the bigger issue with the overall narrative of workers. Uh, Businesses are the main constituents of both parties. Whenever you see or don't see. And this is very interesting because nobody is really covering these issues. Nobody's covering the the discontent. Nobody's covering the idea or the fact that people are quitting their jobs. They're quitting their jobs. No one's covering the fact that judges ruled against the state to cut off these pandemic benefits. No one's covering those things. And the reason why they don't want to cover those things Is because they don't want people to know what is going on. They don't want you to know. They don't want you to know that business does not have power. They are not omnipotent. The state is not omnipotent. They want you to believe it is. And anything that, you know, any protest, any demonstration, anything, that they can do to control the media story they will do. You see how they're painting workers uh, as, as, as people who are lazy, good for nothing, even though these people have been working. I've said this before, I'm not gonna bore you with it, but you know what I'm saying. People who have been working, you know how they paint them. They're not talking about the mass quitting. The reason why there are 10 million jobs open is because people have gone back to work and then they have quit their jobs. They just rage quit. There's a story online, two stories actually. and uh, the, the, the entire store, the entire Burger King, they quit en masse. Quit and put a sign in the window. And that was it. And then another one I think was Dunkin' Donuts. They just To accompany all of this, there is the stress of this pandemic, the worry that we are falling off a cliff, that government and business, big business, are colluding together. They're the big bulldozer, and people are on the other side of that big shovel, and they're shoveling people to the edge of the cliff, and people are fighting back. They're fighting back. The horror that I feel right now is that people have to fight back at all for the basic benefits that belong to them. Basic benefits. So I'm gonna start by reading a couple articles. Uh, the Alabama coal miners on a strike since April say they're fighting for working Americans everywhere. And uh, by ABC News. And, I'm, oh, I can play you this little clip here.
1: past few decades, the power of unions has declined dramatically, and that is why a battle in the heart of Alabama caught our attention. Coal miners in one community have been pushing for better wages, benefits. They've been on strike now for months. Our Elwin Lopez visited the town to get a firsthand look at this contentious fight for workers' rights and what it says about the modern workforce.
2: This is the dividing line, nestled at the entrance of the mine. Those who cross it, amplifying the discord and animosity in this small community.
3: Once you've crossed the picket line, I have nothing to say to you. We will march on the hundreds!
2: A searing split for these coal miners in Brookwood, Alabama, calling this the fight of their lives. This small town, the latest flashpoint in the battle over workers' rights. It's
1: proud of... One of the things I'd see, and it, it, it almost brings tears to your eyes when you see a, a sea of camouflage marching into an area, it's a, I don't even know how to say it, it's just a, a strong sense of pride.
0: Every union in this country owes something to coal
2: matters. Yeah. More than 1,000 workers took off their hard hats and walked off the job back in April, spending the past four months on strike, the first one in the area in four decades. This after they say the company they work for, Warrior Medical, is treating them unfairly. Now, they want better benefits. Behind the scenes, coal miner spouses get to work, sorting clothes and packing supplies for strike families, while their other halves hold the line in front of the mines. Hayden Wright is a local United Mine Workers Auxiliary President. She helps run the pantry, which is supported through donations. This is the board where you write everything down each week it changes. Yes.
3: And then you get the items and put them in the bags. Mm-hmm. we do about 200 bags a week. They can come in, they can get clothes if they need them, they can get baby and hygiene products, and they can pick up their pantry bag. What would you do without Hayden, without your wife?
1: I, I don't know. She holds the family together. She holds. The, the strike pantry together, She's a, she's been really supportive and strong throughout this whole strike. and I, I, I couldn't be prouder of her.
2: Braxton has been working at the mine for 17 years. You come from a family of miners. You take a lot of pride in the work that you do. How difficult was it for you to make that decision to say, I have to go on strike?
1: It wasn't a difficult decision to go on strike because we knew that we had to fight for what we deserved. We wanted the dignity back in our job. In
2: 2016, Warrior Met Coal took ownership of the mine after the previous company went bankrupt. According to the union, workers took drastic cutbacks in hourly wages, holidays, time off, as well as medical coverage, and lost their pensions, allegedly believing all of those would be restored in the next contract.
1: We need to, uh you know, get these people back up to standard and uh the contract that was offered was not up to the other coal mines uh and the people turned it down.
2: Chris Laurie says the workers kept the mine afloat for years.
4: I give you my youth, I've give you my time. I've worked six days a week for the last seventeen years. Where you bought a coal mine. You bought an underground coal mine. You knew what the wages were when you when you bought it. We we saved this coal mine. Uh, This ain't the first time we've saved it. We've saved it from fires. We've saved it from explosions. We've saved it from a lot of things.
2: Coal mining is one of the most dangerous professions in the country. In 2001, the number five mine in Brookwood exploded, killing
1: 13. Yeah, these are the the gaseous mines in North America. You have gas, you have water, uh, a lot of the working, areas is knee deep in water. Uh, it, it's a difficult job, not to mention the dust. You have more dust, you know, around the working phase because that's where you're cutting the rock and the coal.
2: According to the CDC, rates of black lung have more than doubled over the past 15 years. The workers we spoke to say Warrior Med Coal provides them with 80% coverage of medical fees. They used to receive 100%. Add to that claims of strict time off. Independent labor reporter Kim Kelly has been following the strike for months.
3: They're only making about twenty-seven dollars an hour and they're spending six days a week, sometimes seven, underground, twelve hours a day. You know, their bodies are broken, their lungs are all messed up, like their health insurance costs have skyrocketed because of Warrior Med.
2: It's um it's really an egregious situation. We reached out to Warrior Medical for a comment, but the company turned down our request for an interview due to ongoing negotiations. Telling ABC News in part, it remains committed to reaching an agreement with the United Mine Workers of America, which is apparent through our contract offer that included increases in key contract areas, wages, benefits, and work-life balance. We have and will continue to work with the UMWA to reach a fair and reasonable contract that provides our employees with a competitive package while protecting jobs and ensuring the longevity of the company. We're on the way to New York. Hey. As negotiations continue, the workers have taken their fight across the country. Just last week, Hayden, along with a group of strikers, traveled than 1,000 miles to New York City to protest in front of BlackRock, Warrior Met's largest shareholder. BlackRock declined to comment for this report. We are here
3: to bring the picket, to bring the strike to their front doors, because this is affecting our lives, our families, our communities. Even
2: actress Susan Sarandon showing solidarity with the workers. So I stand by
3: you one day longer, one day stronger.
2: You, you. The strike has divided this Alabama community. All of a sudden
3: I heard an acceleration of a vehicle and he hit me on the right side, slinging me forward into his windshield. Warrior Met told ABC News that it does
2: not condone acts of violence and got a court-ordered injunction limiting the amount of strikers outside the mines to, quote, allow for peaceful ingress and egress to our facilities, as well as maintain public safety. The strain has also been financial. The union pays workers $700 every two weeks to hold the line. But it's still not enough.
4: Everybody's working other jobs. And, uh, you know, some guys are cutting grass, some guys are doing different things. Some of them have uh, some of them's already got good uh, jobs, electrical jobs and plants and stuff. And uh, we're trying to hold out because we've put so much time here.
2: But a few workers have gone back to work
3: for the mine. How has that created some divide here? Of course, because you can't be in a union. You can't say you're UNWA and that these are your brothers and sisters when you swore an oath that you wouldn't take your brothers and sisters' job and now you're crossing a picket line. So there will still be that divide even when an agreement is reached.
1: Yes. And as I said, we have to watch for each other underground. And if they cross that picket line and betray you, who's to say if you're injured, they won't walk off and leave you
2: underground?
3: If you wouldn't leave your brother in the mine, why would you leave him on the lawn? As of
2: 2020,
3: only 12.1% of workers were represented by a union.
2: That's half of what it was nearly 40 years ago. And on average, unionized workers earn about 11% more than non-unionized workers. The reason that we've seen such a big decline in unionization, despite workers' interests in being unionized, has everything to do with massively increased employer aggressiveness against unions.
1: Eyes are on us for, you know, not just the union workers, but for just workers in general. Because once a company is allowed to do one thing to, you know, one group, all your other companies is going to fall suit. This isn't just our fight here at Warrior Met Cole with the UNWA. This is America's fight for working people everywhere.
2: The sea of camouflaged workers fueled by the motto, One Days Longer making it clear they aren't going
3: anywhere what if you don't reach that agreement how long will this continue to go on and when will it end we'll be here one day longer than the company will I don't think that we're giving up we're already planning a toy drive for Christmas you're expecting this to go through Christmas we don't know when it will end, but we're gonna be ready that's what your union does so, if we get through Christmas, we'll make sure that our union gets up Christmas and then to next year potentially
1: That's what I tell you uh, so we'll be here one day longer than now.
2: Elwin Lopez, ABC News, Brookwood, Alabama
0: That was quite telling. But I like the point that the young man made at the end, which is if you allow a company to do something wrong to the workers, then all the other companies will follow suit, and this is just as true um, for the coal miners as it is for the Nabisco workers, because they are also protesting for for uh, excuse me their right to work and their right to get paid. And it ties into what I've been talking about about workers who are suddenly, because of the pandemic, waking up and realizing that they are worth more than the businesses are willing to pay them. They are worth more than disposable or being disposable and being a non entity. Uh, They're worth more than that. And now is the time to get out there and for its higher wages. Now, the next story, and you see it's, you know, it's the union, and thank God they're working together, and they're fighting. They've been going on for this, about this since April, and I just want to put my hat in the ring and lend my voice and let them know that I'm standing with them, and also, if I can find a link, I would like to donate to the cause, because for the grace of God, That could be all of us. It could be us. It could be us. But. I also have a little bit of a beef with unions. Now, I worked for a union in Atlantic City. Atlantic City, New Jersey. Worked for a union. And I have to say. Um. For the most part, it was okay, except when it came to our pensions, and they were trying to force the casinos to give something. And by that time, I I, I quit. You know, I quit the casinos. I could no longer participate in the evil, evil institution. But anyways, um, I did have good medical. I can't deny that. I did have good. Uh, you know, I had to pay my dues, which was a little bit annoying. But for for what I was paying, I did get, I I received good benefits. My, my medical was $25. I could go to a doctor in, you know, in my network. Most of the doctors in my network close to home. And I could go to a doctor and for $25 get examined. Get my examination, take care of myself. You know, I like that. I think it was COBRA. I like that they fought for us to have some kind of decent pay. I was a waitress so you don't get you don't get the full minimum wage which is unfair. And uh what happened? They were pushing for pensions, pushing for pensions, pushing for pensions. A lot of people and they offer like $300 a week for people if you run out if you were on strike, you get $300 a week. And most people who had families, mortgages, car payments, because, you know, if you were a beverage server, you made decent money, you made good money. Yeah, they didn't hold out for for that. They crossed the line. They went back to work. I don't know what the union situation is like in Atlantic City at the moment. I know that a lot of people return to work without union representation. Uh, my beef with unions was that the unions in the past wanted more power with the company than they actually wanted to work for you. And a lot of people, I mean, there's there's some good sides of the unions and, and the good unions are still around, but the, the so-so unions, the unions that people were disgruntled with, were the ones that lost power because they were, in people's minds, not exactly fighting for the people. They were siding with the business or the company. And many people felt sold out by unions. And, you know, they're thinking, well, why are we paying you these dues every month? And, you know, some of them are $100 a month or whatever. They're paying dues. I know my husband at one point was paying something like 75 or something a month in union dues. But the problem with the union is that people didn't feel properly represented. So they took their chances with the company and the company took all their jobs and outsourced Big companies want to return to pre-Teddy Roosevelt, where there is no weekend. You work seven days a week. They don't have to pay you overtime. They don't have to pay you for the the hours that you work. They want you to work 12 days, seven days, 12 hours, excuse me, seven days a week, nonstop. They can't understand that you need a work-life balance. I I did a podcast with Laura Ingram, and and Laura Ingram was talking about how people were like, uh, but she wasn't talking about it, but she had a guest who, um, well, no, actually, she was talking about that. She was talking about uh, her mother and how her mother worked and how, you know, uh, if her mother ever thought of self-care, it was not, you know, it didn't even cross her mother's mind. And I'm kind of looking at Laura, and she's got this tough girl persona. And I'm thinking, yeah, that explains a lot. And there's nothing wrong with having a tough girl persona, but it explains a lot about her mother. My mother never took the time to really take care of herself. But that wasn't a good thing. People working themselves to the bone was not a good thing. My mother used to clean houses five, six, seven days a week. Every day she would clean a different house, $35 a day. Which was very, very, that was too, too, too cheap. But that's what she she was charging. On every day she would clean a different house. Sometimes two in a day depending on how big the houses were. How they got to bargain, these people, you know? And, and I appreciate that she did that, to put food on the table and keep a roof over my head. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to work seven days a week, every day, with no time off, no, no life. And the Republicans, this is the Republicans, because Donald Trump got more working people to vote Republican than any other Republican ever. Whatever you think about him, he did that. He handed the working class, a large portion of them, to the Republican Party. These people, the coal miners and the Nabisco workers, These are your constituents. These people are your constituents. The working class people. Because remember, the Democrats, Hillary, was talking about closing your your coal mines. She was talking about closing that down. And I'm saying that mainstream media didn't really cover it. ABC News, you know, is part of that. But this story, these stories should be all over the news. People's right to work. People's right to a decent wage. That that's not that's not socialism. That's not, that's not communism. If you're making billions of dollars, why can't you pay people a decent wage? Why can't you give them benefits? Wouldn't the common sense thing be that a happy worker is a good worker? And if you make the persons happy, they are more productive? Wouldn't that be the sound business decision? Why is there even a fight? Why do you even need to fight? Why do the unions and these people need to fight? Why do you need to fight to not be exploited? They're talking about the hospitality industry is suffering. You know, some of these places in the hospitality industry are paying $2.15 an hour plus tips, which means that if you if some they don't have a business, they have a zero day, you don't get paid. Or you get paid $2.16 an hour or whatever. You don't get a full wage benefit. You don't get the full uh, minimum wage. You should. Waitressing is hard work. Coal mining is hard work. $20 an hour. And you may think, oh, well, that's good money. No. No. Seven days a week. People are working. Seven days a week. Seven days. They don't get a day off. They can't go on vacation. They can't spend any time with the family. You know, they're gone. They're gone. Seven days, twelve hours. Seven days, twelve is outrageous, completely and entirely outrageous. I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to come back in the next segment, and we're going to talk about the Nabisco workers, because that is something to be said. And it ties into my theme, well, not my theme, but the general uh, discontent of the American worker and how this discontent is spreading throughout the United States of America and how it is being ignored and being misrepresented as something that it is not. If you have made it with me this far, listen, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Um uh, I have a new Patreon channel. Uh so I will link that up in the description. But for now I will be back in a little bit. You are listening to the Black Eye Podcast. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I am your host, Michelle, and this is The Black Eye. Listen, I hope you are outside without a mask, enjoying the sunlight, getting a walk-in. It's good for your health, good for your mind, and good to get away from all the fray that is this pandemic. We want to be in good health. We want to maintain good health, and this is a perfect way to do it. Just be outside and enjoy God's creation. Today's subject is about workers. There have been two worker strikes going on in this country one sent to April, and one about six days ago. And both are fighting. Or, um the right to work and the right to to maintain their jobs, and as you know, coal mining is about to be shut down by the left because you know it's a dirty whatever. It's uh what is it? The greenhouse gases and all that stuff and. So coal mining and these people who have, this is their job, this is their life, they're facing some obstacles, serious obstacles. And Nabisco, the people striking there are also facing some obstacles. Uh, the It's not RJR anymore, it's Mandela's. The Mandela's company is seeking to eliminate a tried and true pay structure which would allow people to to earn overtime to earn overtime. They don't want to pay overtime anymore. And this ties into a bigger issue that I have always had, and the bigger issue with the overall narrative of workers. Uh, businesses are, the main constituents of both parties whenever you see or don't see and this is very interesting because nobody is really covering these issues nobody's covering the the discontent nobody's covering the idea or the fact that people are quitting their jobs they're quitting their jobs no one's covering the fact that judges ruled against the state to cut off these pandemic benefits. No one's covering those things. And the reason why they don't want to cover those things is because they don't want people to know what is going on. They don't want you to know. They don't want you to know that business does not have power. They are not omnipotent. The state is not omnipotent. They want you to believe it is. And anything that You know, any protest, any demonstration, anything that they can do to control the media story, they will do. You see how they're painting workers uh, as as people who are lazy, good for nothing. Even though these people have been working. I've said this before, I'm not going to bore you with it. But you know what I'm saying. People who have been working, you know how they paint. we are not talking about the mass quitting. That the reason why there are ten million jobs open is because people have gone back to work and then they have quit their jobs. They just rage quit. There's a story online, two stories actually, and uh, the, the, the the entire store, the entire Burger King, they quit on mass, quit and put a sign in the window, and that was it. And then another one I think was Dunkin' Donuts. They just quit. To accompany all of this, there is the stress of this pandemic, the worry that we are falling off a cliff, that government and business, big business, are colluding together. They're the big bulldozer. And people are on the other side of that big shovel, and they're shoveling people to the edge of the cliff. And people are fighting back. They're fighting back. The horror that I feel right now is that people have to fight back at all for the basic benefits that belong to them. basic benefits. So, I'm going to start by reading a couple articles, uh, the Alabama coal miners on a strike since April say they're fighting for working Americans everywhere, and, uh, by ABC News, and, I, oh, I can play you this little clip here.
1: past few decades, the power of unions has declined dramatically. And that is why a battle in the heart of Alabama caught our attention. Coal miners in one community have been pushing for better wages, benefits. They've been on strike now for months. Our Elwin Lopez visited the town to get a firsthand look at this contentious fight for workers' rights and what it says about the modern workforce.
2: This is the dividing line nestled at the entrance of the mine. Those who cross it, amplifying the discord and animosity
3: in this small community. Once you've crossed the picket line, I have nothing to say to you. We
2: will march on the hundreds! A searing split for these coal miners in Brookwood, Alabama, calling this the fight of their lives. This small town, the latest flashpoint in the battle over workers' rights. It's
1: proud of... One of the things I'd see, and it it almost brings tears to your eyes when you see a a sea of camouflage marching into an area, is, I don't even know how to say it, it's just a a strong sense of pride.
2: Every
0: union in this country
2: owes something to coal matters! More than a thousand workers took off their hard hats and walked off the job back in April, spending the past four months on strike the first one in the area in four decades. This after they say the company they work for, Warrior Med Coal, is treating them unfairly. Now they want better benefits. Behind the scenes, coal miner spouses get to work. Oh, wow. Sorting clothes and packing supplies for strike families, while their other halves hold the line in front of the mines. Hayden Wright is a local United Mine Workers auxiliary president. She helps run the pantry, which is supported through donations. This is the board where you write
3: everything down each week it changes, yes. and then you get the items and put them in the bags. Mm-hmm. So we do about 200 bags a week. They can come in, they can get clothes if they need them, they can get baby and hygiene products, and they can pick up their pantry bag. What would you do without Hayden, without your wife? <coughs>
1: I, I don't know, she holds the family together. She holds the, the strike pantry together. She's a, She's been real supportive and strong throughout this whole strike. And I, I, I couldn't be prouder of her.
2: Braxton has been working at the mine for 17 years. You come from a family of miners. You take a lot of pride in the work that you do. How difficult was it for you to make that decision to say, I have to go on strike?
1: It wasn't a difficult decision to go on strike because we knew that we had to fight for what we deserved. We wanted the dignity back in our job. In
2: 2016, Warrior Met Coal took ownership of the mine after the previous company went bankrupt. According to the union, workers took drastic cutbacks in hourly wages, holidays, time off, as well as medical coverage, and lost their pensions, allegedly believing all of those would be restored in the next contract.
1: We need to, uh... You know, get these people back up to standard. And, uh, the contract that was offered was not up to the other coal mines,
4: uh, and the people turned it down.
2: Chris Laurie says the workers kept the mine afloat for years.
4: i give you my youth. i give you my time. I've worked six days a week for the last 17 years. You bought a coal mine. You bought an underground coal mine. You knew what the wages were. When you when you bought it, we we saved this coal mine. Uh, this ain't the first time we've saved it. We've saved it from fires. We've saved it from explosions. We've saved it from a lot of things.
2: Coal mining is one of the most dangerous professions in the country. In 2001, the number five mine in Brookwood exploded, killing 13. Yeah, these are the, the gaseous mines in North America. You have gas,
1: you have water, uh, a lot of the working areas is knee deep in water, Um, it's a difficult job, not to mention the dust. You have more dust, you know, around the working phase because that's where you're cutting the rock and the coal.
2: According to the CDC, rates of black lung have more than doubled over the past 15 years. The workers we spoke to say Warrior Med Coal provides them with 80% coverage of medical fees. They used to receive 100%. Add to that claims of strict time off. Independent labor reporter Kim Kelly
3: has been following the strike for months. They're only making about $27 an hour, and they're spending six days a week, sometimes seven, underground, 12 hours a day. You know, their bodies are broken, their lungs are all messed up. Like, their health insurance costs have skyrocketed because of Warrior Med. It's it's really an egregious situation. We reached
2: out to Warrior Medical for a comment, but the company turned down our request for an interview due to ongoing negotiations. Telling ABC News in part, it remains committed to reaching an agreement with the United Mine Workers of America, which is apparent through our contract offer that included increases in key contract areas, wages, benefits, and work-life balance. We have and will continue to work with the UMWA to reach a fair and reasonable contract that provides our employees with a competitive package while protecting jobs and ensuring the longevity of the company. We're on the way to New York! Hey! As negotiations continue, the workers have taken their fight across the country. Just last week, Hayden, along with a group of strikers, traveled more than 1,000 miles to New York City to protest in front of BlackRock, Warrior Met's largest shareholder. BlackRock declined to comment for this report. We are here to bring the picket, to bring the strike to their front door, because this is affecting our lives, our families, our communities. Even actress Susan Sarandon showed solidarity with
3: the workers. So I stand by you one day longer, one day stronger. You! You! the strike has divided this alabama community all of a sudden i heard an acceleration of a vehicle and he hit me on the right side slinging me forward into his windshield
2: warrior met told abc news that it does not condone acts of violence and got a court-ordered injunction limiting the amount of strikers outside the mines to quote Allow for peaceful ingress and egress to our facilities, as well as maintain public safety. The strain has also been financial. The union pays workers seven hundred dollars every two weeks to hold the line, but it's
4: still not enough. Everybody's working other jobs, and uh, you know some guys are cutting grass, some guys are doing different things. Some of us, have, uh, some of them, already got good uh, jobs, electrical jobs and plants and stuff in the. We're trying to hold out because we've put so much time here.
2: But a few workers have gone back to work for the mine. Has that created some divide here?
3: Of course, because you can't be in a union. You can't say you're UNWA and that these are your brothers and sisters when you swore an oath that you wouldn't take your brothers and sisters' job and now you're crossing a picket line. So there will still be that divide even when an agreement is
1: reached? Yes. Yeah, because I said that. We have to watch for each other underground, and if they cross that picket line and betray you, who's to say if you're injured, they won't walk off and leave you underground?
3: If you wouldn't leave your brother in the mine, why would you leave him on the line? As of 2020, only 12.1 percent of
2: workers were represented by a union. That's half of what it was nearly 40 years ago, and on average, unionized workers earn about 11 percent than non-unionized workers. The reason that we've seen such a big decline in unionization, despite workers' interests in being unionized, has everything to do with massively increased employer aggressiveness against unions.
1: Eyes are on us for, you know, not just the union workers, but for just workers in general. Because once a company is allowed to do one thing to you know, one group, all your other companies are going to fall suit. This isn't just our fight here at Warrior Cole with the UNWA. This is America's fight for working people
2: everywhere. The sea of camouflaged workers, fueled by the motto, One Day Longer, making it clear they aren't going anywhere. What if you don't reach
3: that agreement? How long will this continue to go on, and when will it end? We'll be here one day longer than the company will. I don't think that we're giving up. We're already planning toy drive for Christmas. You're expecting this to go through Christmas. We don't know when it'll end, but we're gonna be ready. That's what your union does. So if we get through Christmas, we'll make sure that our union gets up Christmas. And to next year, potentially.
1: That's what I tell you, uh, so we'll be here one day longer than now.
2: Elwin Lopez, ABC News, Brookwood, Alabama.
0: That was quite telling. But I like the point that the young man made at the end, which is if you allow a company to do something wrong to the workers, then all the other companies will follow suit. And this is just as true um, for the coal miners as it is for the Nabisco workers. Because they are also protesting for for uh, excuse me their right to work and their right to get paid, and it ties into what I've been talking about about workers who are suddenly, because of the pandemic, waking up and realizing that they are worth more than. Businesses are willing to pay them. They are worth more than disposable or being disposable and being a non-entity. They're worth more than that. And now is the time to get out there and force higher wages. Now, the next story, and you see it's, you know, it's the union and they got there working together and they're fighting. They've been going on about this since april and i just want to put my hat in the ring and lend my voice and let them know that i'm standing with them and also if i can find a link i would like to donate to the cause because for the grace of god that could be all of us it could be us it could be us but I also have a little bit of a beef with unions. Now, I worked for a union in Atlantic City, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Worked for a union, and I have to say, um, for the most part, it was okay. Except when it came to our pensions, and they were trying to force the casinos to give something. And by that time, I I, I quit. You know, I quit the casinos. I could no longer. Participate in an evil, evil institution. But anyways, um, I did have good medical. I can't deny that. I did have good. Uh, you know, I had to pay my dues, which was a little bit annoying. But for for what I was paying, I did get. I I received good benefits. My my medical was twenty five dollars. I could go to a doctor in you know, in my network. Most of the doctors in my network close to home and I could go to a doctor and for $25 get examined get my examination, take care of myself. You know, I like that. I think it was Cobra. I like that. They fought for us to have some kind of decent pay. I was a waitress so you don't get you don't get the full minimum wage which is unfair. And uh what happened they were pushing for pensions, pushing for pensions, pushing for pensions. A lot of people, and they offered like $300 a week for people. If you run out, if you were on strike, you get $300 a week. And most people who had families, mortgages, car payments, because, you know, if you were a beverage server, you made decent money. You made good money. Yeah, they didn't hold out for for that. They crossed the line. They went back to work. I don't know what the union situation is like in Atlantic City at the moment. I know that a lot of people return to work without union representation. Uh, My beef with unions was that the unions in the past wanted more power with the company than they actually wanted to work for you. And a lot of people, I mean, there's there's some good sides of the unions and and the good unions are still around. But the the so-so unions, the unions that people were disgruntled with, were the ones that lost power because they were, in people's minds, not exactly fighting for the people. They were siding with the business or the company. And many people felt sold out by unions. And, you know, they're thinking, well, why are we paying you these dues every month? And, you know, some of them $100 a month or whatever, they're paying dues. I know my husband at one point was paying something like 75 or something a month in union dues. But the problem with the union is that people didn't feel properly represented. So, they took their chances with the company. And the company took all their jobs and outsourced them. Big companies want to return to pre-Teddy Roosevelt, where there is no weekend. You work seven days a week. They don't have to pay you overtime. They don't have to pay you for the the hours that you work. They want you to work 12 days, seven days, 12 hours, excuse me, seven days a week nonstop. They can't understand that you need a work-life balance. I I did a podcast with Laura Ingram, and, and Laura Ingram was talking about how people were like, uh, but she wasn't talking about it but she had a guest who um, well no actually she was talking about this she was talking about uh her mother and how her mother worked and how you know uh if her mother ever thought of self-care it was not you know it didn't even cross her mother's mind and i'm um, of looking at Laura and she's got this tough girl persona and I'm thinking yeah that explains a lot and there's nothing wrong with having a tough girl persona but it explains a lot about her mother my mother never took the time to really take care of herself but that wasn't a good thing People working themselves to the bone was not a good thing. My mother used to clean houses. Five, six, seven days a week. Every day she would clean a different house. $35 a day. Which was very, very, that was too, too, too cheap. But that's what she she was charging. On every day she would clean a different house. Sometimes two in a day. Depending on how big the houses were, how they gotta bargain, these people, you know. And, and I appreciate that she did that to put food on the table and keep a roof over my head, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to work seven days a week, every day, with no time off, no no life. And the Republicans, this is the Republicans, because Donald Trump got more working people to vote Republican than any other Republican ever. Whatever you think about him, he did that. He handed the working class, a large portion of them, to the Republican Party. These people, the coal miners and the Nabisco workers, these are your constituents. These people are your constituents. The working class people. Because remember, the Democrats, Hillary, was talking about closing your, your coal mines. She was talking about closing that down. And I'm saying that mainstream media didn't really cover it. ABC News, you know, is part of that. But this story, these stories should be all over the news. People's right to work. People's right to a decent wage. That that's not that's not socialism. That's not, that's not communism. If you're making billions of dollars, why can't you pay people a decent wage? Why can't you give them benefits? Wouldn't the common sense thing be that a happy worker is a good worker? And if you make the persons happy, they are more productive? Wouldn't that be the sound business decision? Why is there even a fight? Why do you even need to fight? Why do the unions and these people need to fight? Why do you need to fight to not be exploited? They're talking about the hospitality industry is suffering. You know, some of these places in the hospitality industry are paying $2.15 an hour plus tips, which means that if you if some they don't have a business, they have a zero day, you don't get paid. Or you get paid $2.16 an hour or whatever. You don't get a full wage benefit. You don't get the full uh, minimum wage. You should. Waitressing is hard work. Coal mining is hard work. Twenty dollars an hour. You and you may think, oh well, that's good money. No. No. Seven days a week. People are working. Seven days a week. Seven days. They don't get a day off. They can't go on vacation. They can't spend any time with the family. You know, they're gone. They're gone. Seven days, twelve hours. Seven days, twelve is outrageous, completely and entirely outrageous. I'm going to take a quick break, Uh, I'm going to come back in the next segment and we're going to talk about the Nabisco workers because that is something to be said. And it ties into my theme, well, not my theme, but the general uh, discontent of the American worker and how this discontent is spreading throughout the United States of America and how it is being ignored and being misrepresented as something that it is not. If you have made it with me this far, listen, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Um, I have a new Patreon channel, uh, so I will link that up in the description, but for now, I will be back in a little bit.